You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Funny little man. How dare you? I will have you know that I am a perfectly respectable size for an Oompa Loompa. An Oompa what now? In fact, in Loompa Land, I am regarded as something of a whopper. They call me Lofty. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, greetings to you all. My name is Willy Wonka. You see, I'm something of a magician. Prepare to be amazed. Tape up. <laughs> Inventor. May I present Willy Wonka's wild and wonderful wishy-washy Wonka Walker? Please don't make me say that again. And chocolate maker. The best chocolate in the world. Ooh. He's good. Too good. And anyone can afford them. Even the... The poor? He doesn't like it when people say poor. Send Wonka a message. Do not sell chocolate in this town! You're going to get more than a bonk on the head. I love a bonk on the head. What is with me today? You should stand up to those bullets. Give them the old one-two. I got an idea. Where do we start? Making chocolate, of course. Run away! Every good thing in this world started with a dream. So you hold on to yours. I guess it's time to change the world. Bumpa, lumpa, dumpa, I'm not in premium economy. Good night, sir. I am going flat. Huh. What is it? Nothing. Well, it's obviously something, because you said, huh. Forget it. Very well. Huh. Ah, oh, you did it again. Tell me what it is, or I shall poke you quite viciously with a cocktail stick. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We are back, and it is time for another movie review, and we are looking at one that I've been actually looking forward to since they announced it early on, and we are going to be talking about Wonka. Wonka is a prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and we are not going to talk about the evil Charlie and the Chocolate Factory tonight at all you know i just want to try to blot that one out of my mind you know willy wonka has a special part in my life because it was the first movie i had ever gone to see at the movies when it first came out and it was pretty amazing seeing gene wilder mesmerize people up on screen and torture kids it was it was just awesome you know and everything and so i didn't know what we were going to get with this and 
who knew we were going to get a full-blown musical out of this? And it was a ton of fun, and we're going to talk all about it tonight. If you haven't seen it yet, folks, we are going to spoil it. So be prepared, and I think it's going to be a ton of fun to do it, and we have an amazing crew to talk all about this tonight. Of course, we couldn't do this without our movie reviewer, Ashley Pauls, is back. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited um, to chat with you guys again. This in particular was a movie that I was looking forward to, so I'm really excited that I get to chat about it with you all. Now, it's going to be a ton of fun, and it's interesting, too, because... You know, we didn't have you for Godzilla. So we were like, oh, please be ready for, you know, for Wonka and everything. And so I'm so very happy to have you. And this is going to be a first that we have a married couple on with us. We've had Matt Swapman on quite a bit. Welcome, Matt. Hey, hi, guys. And we are joined also by his lovely wife, Elaine. Welcome. Hello. How are you? We've had you on a few times over the years. And... You know, it's awesome. You know, we usually we have you on when we talk about Outlander or some of the other programs that we've talked about. So it's yeah. fantastic to have you up here for this one. So, you know, I think this could be interesting. And of yeah. course, I couldn't do this without my co-host. Mr. Mike Gordon is here. Howdy. How are you, my friend? Oompa Loompa. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I, had to, I had to get over my oompa phobia. Uh, oompophobia before I really anything confront else? my oompophobia i mean of yeah, course to, to, to do this because uh yeah i mean some people may know um i've talked about it on the show before hex we we actually did an episode uh i think it was uh going to the Wayback machine 214 wow. we talked about uh charlie and the chocolate factory and i think we did a like a whole episode on on everything related to the books and the Mm -hmm. Gene Wilder movie and the other movie that we don't like to talk about. Um, And, uh, but yeah, um, uh, I saw Wonka or I saw Willy Wonka, the original, I didn't see it in the movies either. I saw it on TV, but uh, I will never, it was an unforgettable experience for me because the Oompalumpas scared the bejesus out of me. I mean, of course, of I, I mean, I ran around the house screaming. I was, uh, and that was just like two years ago. No, just kidding. Um, uh, it was, I don't know how that old explains I was. so, so much, my friend. That I don't know how old so I was, much. but I was, I mean, I was terrified. I had run across other movie baddies before, but man, the Oompa Loompas for some reason just hit a nerve on me that, uh, so even today, even as I'm seeing this movie, when you when I hear that music start, my I get chills and the hairs stand up, and I'm like, "Oh no, here it comes!" Mm-hmm. Oh, you must have loved the closing scene then for this movie. <laughs> well, we will. Uh, well, we'll get into the details about the whole thing. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. Take it away, sir. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, you know, as Mike said, spoilers, and it is a prequel to. Um, it's a, it's a prequel to, I would say the 1971 movie. Um, it's not, I don't, more so than it is a prequel to the book. Um, but I mean, we can talk about that a little bit. Those, those who have read the book, it's been so long. Um, I think I read both books when I was a kid, but to be honest with you, I don't really remember them. Um, but we could talk about the box office now to put it in some perspective, the box office for the 1971 classic that we all say is the best Wonka movie ever made 
was very low. Um, it was not a huge success when it was released in 71. Um, it eventually earned about $4 million worldwide and it had a budget of about 3 million. So, you know, it cleared it. It made a quote unquote profit. Um, it was the 24th highest grossing film of the year in North America. So that <laughs> gives you a idea on just where it stood. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, Paramount who distributed it. Uh, did not know what to do with it. Um, eventually, Warner Brothers got involved and said, we'll take it. And they released it on uh, syndication. And that's where I think, as a lot of things like Wizard of Oz um, and other movies like It's a Wonderful Life just became a huge hit. Like people just got to watch them year after year, became a tradition. You just watch these movies. And, um, you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I think a lot of people, you know, now when this, it's funny because this is coming out and I'm hearing people say like, oh, you know, nothing beats the original, nothing beats the original. Like it's, oh, it, it can't hold a candle to the original. Well, when the original came out, it wasn't well beloved. <laughs> so, um, so we'll see how uh, this one does. Now to compare, uh, obviously the, the budget for this movie was quite a bit more. Uh, the budget, I think, was around 125 million, and uh, yeah, that's that's quite a difference between <laughs> now and 1971. Um, it did okay. It did just shy of 40 million dollars in the United States and Canada over the weekend. Um, it did a bunch more in other territories worldwide. It's at 152.2 million. So it's 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 not a uh, and I think in today's Box office, like those numbers are not too bad. Those are pretty solid. Um, Especially think, for after COVID. And... Well, after yeah, with everything that's going on, um, mm-hmm. how bad the box office has been this year. Warner Brothers has had one of the best years ever with Barbie. Um, and I think they're pretty happy with this. They've got Color Purple opening this weekend. They've got Aquaman opening. So they're going to finish the year strong. I mean, if you're going to the movie theater for Christmas, you've got like a, you know, three options there. And they're all from Warner Brothers. You know, Disney is like nowhere to be found. But Warner Brothers is all over the theatrical market right now. So I think it's a pretty strong showing. For this movie, uh, considering, especially considering that, as Mike alluded to, a lot of people were kind of surprised that this was a musical when they when they when the movie started, uh, because it it starts right off. There's no like there's no, like, boom, it's a musical, which, you know, the 1971 one was a musical. So it's in very much in that spirit. I, I, I knew it was a musical going in. I I didn't. The trailers, I think that I saw, at least led me to believe that there was going to be singing and dancing. So. I don't know what. Um, what about you, Ashley? What? Uh, where do you stand on the box office? And was it a surprise that it was? Yeah, a um, I think exactly what you said. Considering all the outstanding factors, I'm pleasantly surprised and pleased that it made forty million. I think for this type of film in this market, that is a very good showing. And I had. Yeah, I, I know that I know that this is not the Timothy Chalamet movie that you wanted to yes. see this. this yes, fall, it it, it helped. <laughs> Help me a little bit. I like to think of this movie as one of Paul Atreides' weird spice dreams. So this this is one of his visions that he experiences a little too much spice in the desert. So that's that's how I like to look at this movie. But um, yeah, I had heard that it was a musical, and um, 
but interesting that I've heard that they didn't necessarily heavily market it as a musical because musicals aren't always the most popular genre. So if you can kind of trick people to getting in the theater, they'll have a good time. Um, it kind of reminded me in some ways of a similar vibe to The Greatest Showman, which didn't necessarily start out the strongest, but then developed a pretty big following. And now people really enjoy the songs and are familiar with the music. So um, I was also looking forward to this movie because the same people who made this also made the Paddington films. Those were never films that I had mm -hmm. any interest in watching, but I heard people talking about them and they will absolutely charm your socks off. They are quirky. They're funny. They're the perfect little British family movies. And um, this movie feels a lot like that. So if you enjoy those, um, I would definitely recommend this one. It didn't seem to have that kind of creepy edge that the Gene Wilder one does so well where it's where he's kind of charming, but also kind of scared. Like, I don't know that I would let him babysit my children in a chocolate factory. Like, I, I don't think I would trust him with them. But um, yeah, Wonka, this prequel isn't at, doesn't kind of have that little sliver of darkness, but I guess you could say he's still young. He's starting out. He's not jaded yet. So maybe he'll get there in a few years, but. <laughs> yeah, I do not know what happened over the 50 year time period between one or the other. And we don't know. I mean, you know, I think we'll talk about it at the end, whether or not there's, there's rumors that this is supposed to start a whole new what is it they call it the Dollverse <laughs> or whatever of movies that uh that they're exploring so who knows we may get more Wonka in the future um and maybe we'll we'll chart that you know road to cynicism too much time that. around Oompa Loompas <laughs> that road to <laughs> eh, you know, yep, yep. too much chocolate you know who knows uh but uh Elaine, what about you? Um, how did you feel? What are your feelings about uh, this one going in? Like your expectations? Um, I don't think I really had any expectations. I was, I, I wanted to see it. Um, I did know it was a musical, but in some sort, you, you said that Willy Wonka, like the 71 was a musical. And I guess it is, but I never really thought of it as a musical mm -hmm. growing up as a kid. Like Grease was a musical. I never thought of Willy Wonka as a musical. So this was a musical. <laughs> Wonka was a musical. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I had fun with it and I enjoyed the songs and um, there, um, and you mentioned Paddington. There are a lot of actors in this movie who were also in Pat in the Paddington movie. So there is a connection some, somewhere that, that there's crossover with the actors. With oh, Wonka there's so much, so much crossover in this between almost Britain is not that big of an island. And right. they probably got 90% <laughs> of the actors in, in the country in this one. Yeah. And so that, that was fun too, going, oh, I know who that person is. Oh, I know who that person is. We watch him in that show. We watch him in that show. And so that was kind of fun. <laughs> doing that throughout the whole movie. I so. think I think every single one of them has some sort of British crime drama where they play a, a hard-nosed detective. Uh, or or <laughs> they've been they've been the the victim of the murder in Death yeah. in Paradise or something. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, true. Uh Matt, what about you? What uh what were your feelings going into this one? Uh where did you feel like the 71 one was beloved and couldn't be touched or or where did you did you have room in your heart for this one? Yeah, I had room. I wasn't, uh, I didn't really put, pin any kind of big hopes or expectations. I just was hoping that it'd be a decent movie. I'm like you, Mike, in that 
or uh, in that uh, it was a regular on TV. Anytime they would broadcast it, it would be like Wizard of Oz. It would be like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because there was so little of that kind of fantasy that appealed to me at, at a young age. So I can remember this being on TV. I can remember being frightened of it. Not just the, like you were the Oompa Loompas. Me, it was more just the hint that some dark things were happening to the kids in the factory. It felt very much like they were in constant mortal danger from something that shouldn't be. That feeling isn't here. He's much more wholesome, much more much more um, innocent character than uh, Gene Wilder was in, in the original. Uh, so that surprised me a little bit. I expected a little more hint of darkness. And, and he's, a, he's in a very dark world. The world around him is very dark. But mm-hmm. Willy Wonka himself is very pure of heart. And, and I had a, I had a, a, an idea when uh, Ashley suggested that this was a, uh, a Paul Atreides um, fever dream. They, they, get, they miss an opportunity to do a little bit of an inside joke when one of his ingredients for the chocolate could have been the uh, the spice <laughs> from the deserts of Arrakis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's somewhere in that little box of ingredients of his, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure. Absolutely. Mike, what about you? What, uh, as you said before, you had a history with the original oh, with sure. the books, with the whole Raul Dahl legacy. Um, uh, but you said you were surprised that this was a musical. So, was, uh, going in, how, how wh- overall, what were your thoughts coming out of here? Going in, you know, originally I was very open minded. And yeah, I saw the one dance thing, and then the guy stopped him, said, no daydreaming. And, you know, that type of, at the, that was at the beginning of the movie. And I was thinking, okay, that's cool. But then song after song after song, and I was thrilled with that. I loved every second of seeing the songs. The songs were were catchy. The songs were fun. And like a a few folks, I think Matt just said, um, it's hard to imagine this innocent, very good-hearted person becoming, you know, the Willy Wonka that Gene Wilder became and, you know, being the dark, you know, how dark it was. And, you know, even the part, you know, with the, the tunnel in Willy Wonka still to this day gives me the EBGBs. And so it's pretty, you know, pretty awesome. And to, you know, think that's the same person, but he's been burnt as you, you know, in in the first, in the original movie, they they talk about how he's he's been burnt by people, you know, sell, trying to steal the secrets and trying to steal the food. And you know, Slugworth was mentioned in the first movie. You didn't hear of the other two, but it was still interesting that you know you got the origins of all this, and it was it was great. The only distraction for me in this whole movie was what Elaine said because of all the different actors in it. Oh, I know that person from Ghosts. Oh, I know that person. Oh, it's Mr. Bean, you know, and, you know, the whole thing, you know, and it's just, it, it just went through, you know, how many Doctor Who actors can you count in this one, you know? And, you know, and so it was awesome to see. And that was my only distraction with it. But I thought it was an awesome movie. And the the thing what that was cool about it is I went to an 11 a.m. show on Sunday to go see it, seeing it with a theater full of kids. 
and they were riveted to the movie. You know, you couldn't hear a pin drop before. I was worried it was like during the previews even, you know, blah, 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 you know, kids talking and everything. As soon as the movie started, quiet. And that was amazing. And that's, that says a lot about a movie right there. Yeah, if it can, and well, especially a kid's movie or a family movie, if it can keep a kid's attention, then that's that's a win because uh, mm. sometimes they can't. No, very uh, much. You no. can you can really tell uh, when you watch uh, a kid's movie and the kids are talking all the way through it or whatever. They're not engaged, or there are certain scene sequences that like lose them. Um, but I did not see this with children. So uh, there was only there was only about a handful of us in the theater when I was there. So I, that was on a Friday morning, though. So um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think they're quite out of school yet or whatever. So um, but uh, despite the fact that, you know, I have oompophobia, um, I love the first movie, uh, the 71 movie a lot. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's one of Gene Wilder's best performances. Uh, he's so good in it. It's such a layered role, as we've talked about it before. Uh, you guys have mentioned, you know, he he. There is a darkness to him, but there's also compassion. And he flips that switch sometimes mm-hmm. in a mid sentence, mm-hmm. and it's so. Because I rewatched the '71 one as well on Friday night, and uh, you know, just to watch him again and to see if there was you know some correlation between these two performances and and. Yeah, it would be interesting to tell that story about how this Wonka, Timothy Shemley, becomes, you know, that, although it's that's a, not a very happy story. I can't imagine that and that trilogy ending very well. Um, however, uh, you know, the ver- the first, the, the 71 one is very much a musical. And I think to Elaine's point, when you think of a lot of kids' movies, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, uh, Wizard of Oz, you don't think of them as musicals. They're just kids' movies, right? But they are musicals. They're solid musicals. And a lot of them are really successful because they have really, really strong musical numbers. 1971's Willy Wonka has really, really strong musical numbers. I mean, Candyman, huge hit. Uh, uh, Imagination is a huge song as well. Cheer Up Charlie, the Oompa Loompa song. I mean, it's got like earworms up the wazoo. This song, this movie is pretty solid. Um, I can't say that there was any one song that really, really like went won me over like those do. Um, A World of Your Own is pretty good. And I think if I heard it like, you know, every year, consecutively um <laughs> you know I, it would probably it would probably put an earworm in me you know but uh as i if i was a kid you know or it was on constantly or whatever um i i appreciated the cast i love timothy's performance i haven't seen much of timothy do other things i mean other than dune i think this is about it for me um but he's pretty solid i think he was a great choice to play a young wonka um he was I charming that, as all can get out, truthfully. Yeah, I do know that the, I think I heard that the other, uh, the other actor that was uh, in contention was, um, oh, what's his name? You know, Spider-Man. Um, and, and I'm pretty glad that that, that didn't happen. Um, not to say that he couldn't have done it, but I just think Timothy just really owns it in a way that I think. He owns this version of Wonka just as much as I think uh, Gene Wilder did. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have as much layers to play with, but it's really difficult. The, 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 
the role that he has is playing this sort of innocent, positive character throughout that's unwaveringly positive. That's hard to do, especially and not be annoying. And and I thought he did a really good job. And the rest of the cast is great too. Uh, the story is not as interesting as the 71 version, just because it's just about this sort of up and coming guy, defying the odds, defying authority, you know, that, 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 that 71 ver- that 71 film the story is so good about like you know these kids and the contest and this sort of like what happens with kids who are who are doing like let's face it i mean the like the kids in the 71 version are are doing wrong like awful stuff so they have it quote unquote coming to them it's like watching like a friday the 13th movie right those teenagers <laughs> have it coming right <laughs> those so, damn kids but there's nothing like there's no layers like that here. So there's no, you know, except for the chocolatiers mm-hmm. um, who I think outside of Timothy were like my like I thought they were amazing. Patterson Joseph, I've mm-hmm. always loved. But here he shines as Slugworth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we don't see Slugworth in in the 71 version. Um, nope. And, uh, you know, I think. uh um, you don't see, you know, the other ones, as you mentioned, Mike, aren't referenced at all. Matt Lucas, it was, I mean, this is perfect for him. Yep. Um, I don't think I was familiar with Matthew Baton as well, but he's, um, he's very big in um, ghosts. He's gotcha. one of the creators right. and also the writer, one of the writers. But Olivia Coleman, I always love to see, and Rowan Atkinson as well. And Hugh Grant, well, we'll talk about the Oompa Loompas in a bit, but um, mm-hmm. uh I can stomach it, you know, <laughs> but yeah, the chocolatiers, a uh, great photo there that you're showing Mike uh, for those people watching us on YouTube. I mean, it's just the confrontation that they have is just like it. They're great. It's the mm-hmm. scenes with all of them and confronting them. It's just to me, that's the highlight of it. Mm-hmm. I, I was not as one over with Charlie's little pack of, I, I wanted to like them a lot, but to be honest with you, they mm-hmm. just really, didn't do much for me as it as as characters. Um, I thought there were too many of them. Anyway, we can we can sort of get more detail into it. Ashley, what's uh you know what do you think of the characters overall? Yeah, so I think overall the the main word I would use to describe this is whimsical, and I think all the actors and performances did a good job, kind of setting that tone and establishing that theme. Like you mentioned, Olivia Coleman is always delightful. I love that she's just hamming it up, chewing scenery as the villain here. She was really funny, and I enjoyed her performance in it. Um, the Chocolatiers, like you said, were also great. I enjoyed their uh, song and dance number and their little secret lair. I thought it was pretty funny. That was yes. one of my <laughs> favorite musical numbers and one of the ones that stood out to me. As a uh, Downton Abbey fan, um, I was excited to see Mr. Carson, and so <laughs> I really liked him, although it's yes. probably mm-hmm. just a lot to do with the fact that I was delighted to see Mr. Carson. Technically, it's not a character, but like seeing all the different chocolates and candies was another favorite part of the movie for myself. One of my <clears throat> other fandoms that I like to talk about is the Great British Baking Show, and so I've loved trying to learn more about making different baked goods and candies and things like that. And watching this movie just made me feel um, inspired and excited to go get out some of my candy molds and think of fun, creative things I could create. But yeah, I like seeing all the unique chocolates, their little magical details, like making people float 
or um, like bringing the silver lining or bringing hope. So I, I really enjoyed seeing all the different creative chocolate candies that he invented and how that added to the magicalness of the story. Elaine, what about you? What, uh, what else is something else you took away from the movie? Um, I, I enjoyed, I had fun watching the play between the zookeeper security guy and the candy they kept giving him to have like the wild night and his different (laughs) stages, like the champagne and then, and then, and then the port and he passes out and he's calling his girlfriend. And then at the end of the movie, the security guard for the vault, they give her the chocolate and it's same thing. And who does she call when she gets to that stage in the chocolate? It's the zookeeper security guy. And it's like, I was like, Oh, it's I think connected. even Wonka says like, what, I think Wonka says, like what, what are the odds? Yeah. <laughs> um, but there was another thing when I was watching it and this may be because we have recently seen Annie on stage at the Fox and we, we watched the 1981 movie, Annie. There's, there are some similarities between Annie and Wonka to me with they're talking about scrubbing and doing laundry and how hard it is. It's a hard knock life. They're like thrown into the coop if they misbehave, which is the closet where Miss Hannigan throws Annie all the time. There was some weird little similarity between Annie and Wonka. I'm glad me. I was not the only one to see that. I okay. was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was like, going, that kind of reminds me of Annie. Maybe it's just me, but that reminds me of Annie. So, yeah, but I, that didn't make it a bad thing. When they were doing the laundry, I was actually mm-hmm. thinking hard knack life yeah. the whole mm-hmm. time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not a bad thing to me because I'm a huge Annie fan, but it was, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah. Carol Burnett is so good in that movie. That's, I yes, think she's she the best is. part of that movie to me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I can understand that. And, and yeah, Olivia Coleman does a pretty solid job in Wonka as well. Yeah. Matt, what about you? What did you feel about um, the characters or any other aspect of the movie that you, that run with you? It had a very Charles Dickens like feel this, this, Absolutely. this, this uh, English city. I won't say town, but it's more of a city. Um, and uh, certainly the characters you had uh, the villains and their motivations was very much out of a Dickens novel. Um, I, I enjoyed the characters. Uh, I was, Elaine and me were constantly elbowing each other when somebody we recognized came on. Uh, and um, so that there was that. Um, I like the, even the little throwaway character, the one who was trying to propose and he, and he got the chocolate, which gave him the, uh, he gave him the confidence he needed. You know, the, the one mm-hmm. he proposed to, that's one of three actors we recognized from ghosts. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, she, she was like the homeowner in ghosts. And then two of the ghosts were in it. One of them was the security, the, Security guard. Security guard. And the and the other one was um uh, the chocolatier. Yeah, yeah, the chocolatier, right. Yep. Uh, he was right. the romantic uh poetry writer and ghost. Right. Yeah, yeah. There were there were a lot of people, but also the relationship between uh Bleacher and uh Mrs. Scrubbit, I think her name was. I had these down mm-hmm. as a cheat sheet earlier. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh but uh, I, I I love their interplay. I, I loved uh, anytime Olivia Coleman is given a chance to shine, and I think they really relished the scenes with her because they really did give her quite a few juicy scenes. And the guy who played the big guy, Bleacher, he's in a show we're watching now on BritBox called The Curse, where he plays this kind of dim-witted uh, gangster type who has a very odd accent, a very odd way of speaking and thinking. Um, 
even diff- even odder than his character here. Uh, so it was it was a bit uh, interesting seeing him again. Um, I will say I was a little disappointed that we didn't get more Rowan Atkinson. Um, for that big actor to really only have a couple of scenes which are significant, I I was disappointed. I mean, I would like to have seen as much with of him as, as Olivia Coleman because those are two people of equal stature. I think deserved a lot of attention. I uh, yeah, I got the I, the Turner Classic Movies was showing Four Weddings and a Funeral the other day with Hugh Grant, a very young Hugh Grant, and uh, I was you know Rowan Atkinson is the is sort of the main uh, priest in that movie as well. And I got and I got very similar vibes. I'm like, oh, here's Rowan Atkinson playing a playing a playing a incompetent holy man again. <laughs> like so, um, so I thought I don't know they they must be related in some way. And um, the I didn't get the any you know vibes from Mrs. Scrubbit, uh, but I did get the Sweeney Todd Mrs. Lovett vibes from Mrs. Scrubbit and. Uh, I thought, man, I now really want to see Olivia Coleman play that role. Like, please, at some point, like, if, yeah, if we could do either a one-time thing on Broadway or something, I'm like, she would nail that part, I think, so well. Um, so, um, but that's another movie with Johnny Depp, which we don't need to talk about. So, anyway. <laughs> no, 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 Can no. I, I will say this. Okay, let me just put this out there. And then, Mike, I want you want to hear something from you about the movie. Positive, if you've got it. Um, oh, but uh, really? I will say, like, I was concerned about this movie when it was announced. Because the last thing that we had gotten from this universe was Charlie and the chocolate factory by Tim Burton. And, you know, they made the choice, uh, the really, I think really, really bad choice to have Johnny Depp play sort of a Michael Jackson ish Willy Wonka. And it just didn't work, but they hinted, but not just hinted. I think they showed some flashbacks to his childhood and his origin. And when I heard that this was going to be a prequel, I was like, please don't, follow in those footsteps. Um, And I was really relieved within five minutes of this movie. I was relieved that they were not following in those footsteps at all, but they were telling a very um, different story and much more in line with the Willy Wonka that I love and appreciate that world that was created for the 71 movie. So, well, yeah, well, if you think about it, the Johnny Depp movie, which we don't speak of, which we've something don't speak of we've spoken a lot we spoke of you know (laughs) they made they made him into willy wonka into a true psychopath into you know Mm. you never knew what you were going to get and that was the interesting thing about it was you know with this you got a young wonka who had a mother that was very caring very loving and taught him about the joy of chocolate and and that was you know in some ways very naive you know his mom was going to appear when you know he his dreams came true and everything and it was real interesting to see him in this movie he got hit with some pretty big reality bombs and that was one of the things i liked about it it wasn't all sugarly sweet <laughs> to coin a phrase and it was interesting to be able to watch the character grow and you did get growth 
with him in this. And he learned and he, you know, he grew and he, he expanded his world by, you know, including the other folks who were in the laundry with him. And I love that and everything. And he even tried to work with the villains in this one. And, you know, and of course there were the villains, of course they're not going to work with him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause Wonka was on his own. And then my friends, of course, we got the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> the it, Oompa had Loompa. it had to come up mm-hmm. and, you know, very, very interesting um, way of portraying the Oompa Loompa. And, I didn't mind it, actually. And I thought it was kind of fun. And I thought Hugh Grant was almost charming as the Oompa Loompa in some ways. (laughs) I I, I was going in, okay, that's going to be the weak point for me. I'm not going to like it. I really am not going to like it. I liked it, damn it. I really, really (laughs) liked it. And so, and that was part of the fun of it. And, you know, I thought it was fun to see the Oompa Loompa. And I thought he did a, a decent job. And, you know, I, you know, I want to know now because in the original, they say that, you know, Wonka rescued all the Oompa Loompas from Loompa Land from being eaten by these creatures. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I want to, that, that could be the sequel right there. <laughs> you know? That could be. Um yeah, I mean, obviously they went with the design of the Oompa Loompas from the 71 movie. It doesn't match the design in the book. Thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, they, were scary. they were scary looking in the book. In the book, well, they were also not very politically correct in the book. Uh, and there's a, I mean, there is that sort of attachment with them as well. This sort of like, um, so you got to be careful. And I, I have seen that there's criticism of, of, the Oompa Loompas in this movie, but I think it's the concept in of the, in and of themselves, not exact, not, although I have seen Hugh Grant get some crap because, you know, he's playing um, a dwarf. Um, But they, it's weird because it's, it's, he's, it's a CG and and he's not even proportionally like, I mean, he's so small. It's, uh, I mean, when they say that he only go like when, in, I think in the book it says that Oompa Loompas only go up to the knees. And I think mm-hmm. they really took that to heart in this movie because he is so tiny mm-hmm. um, yeah. that it really took me aback. I didn't think the CG was bad, but it just took me aback about like how small he was. Um, Ashley, what were your thoughts on uh, the Oompa Loompas and, or the Oompa Loompa, I should say. I mean, we do see. Yeah, I think it was the right amount of Oompa Loompa appearance in the movie. I feel like if they had used too much of them, it it could have felt too wacky or kind of taken away from the story. So I like that they kind of sprinkled it throughout. And um, I enjoyed uh, Hugh Grant's performance. Um, He was an absolute hoot as the villain in Paddington 2. So um, he kind of channels some of that here. But I like that he's kind of just willing to play what is a little bit of a ridiculous role and just kind of go with it. But, um, yeah, I felt like they used these well and tied back into the original movie without taking away from that. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Elaine, any any Oompa Loompa thoughts? Um, 
I thought there were going to be more Oompa Loompas. I don't know. I guess I was thinking of the 1971 where they're everywhere. And so I thought there were going to be a lot of Hugh Grant Oompa Loompas, like, copy-pasted everywhere. And so I was kind of like, oh, he's not really... I mean, there's an Oompa Loompa in the movie, but there are not Oompa Loompas in the movie, if that makes sense. And so I was kind of like, that that surprised me a little bit, but I wasn't mad at that because it was not his story. He's just a little part of Wonka's story. So, and I thought he was fine doing what he did. You know, mm-hmm. I don't Matt? have any issues with him. Um, well, I kept, I kept waiting for him to appear. I mean, obviously Hugh Grant was very, very evident in the promotion and it was a good halfway through the movie before we saw him. Uh, so mm-hmm. that, that surprised me a little bit. And also I'd read, and maybe it's one interview and maybe it's one of those where they take everything out of context, but Hugh Grant was saying he was not happy with how that turned out. Um, so maybe that clouded it a little bit, like uh, maybe had a little bit of a negative feeling going into it. But once he got into the Oompa Loompa song, I said, I thought to myself, this is not the most um, undignified that Hugh Grant has been involved with personally or or on screen. So if he's worried, I mean, I don't think he has to worry about that part of it. If anything, I think it makes it a little more approachable. It's a it's a sort of double-edged sword when you get Hugh Grant to do publicity, mm-hmm. um, to, to go on a press tour, because you never know what he's going to say. And a lot of times he it talks, I, I don't know. I don't know him personally. But sometimes he just rubs me the wrong way with things he says. And then he's like, oh, I don't mean them. I, you know, I'm just saying things to be silly or whatever. And who knows what's really going on there. Um, So, uh, you know, I think he has said a lot of things like, oh, this is like what my career has been reduced to or something like that. But I, but I I don't think he, you know, I got a feeling he does it just to, just to make sure that people are talking about him or about the project that he's on, to be honest with you, I think the work is solid. Like, I think like, I don't see, I don't see him phoning it in. Like, it seems like he, you know, and look, it's up to him whether or not he wants to sign the, like sign to do this. Like, you know, it's like he could say no. Like if he doesn't want to be an Oompa Loompa, he could say no. Um, So I don't, I, I don't know how to feel about, him as a as off screen anyway so i try to limit my mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> thoughts about him to just what he does on screen yeah yeah that's that's called the but, tom cruise effect where you worry you you worry about what's on screen you don't worry about the craziness off screen exactly. yeah well yeah unfortunately there's so many others that are like that too now yeah. uh, but um i think that uh i think to me too the oompa loompas the way that the oompa loompas are handled i think also this movie only works or really works if you've seen the 71 version, like, mm-hmm. like, because we get audio cues of the Oompa Loompa theme before we see an Oompa Loompa. Like when he talks about, you know, somebody stealing my chocolate and it's an orange skin guy or, you know, whatever. And you're like, and you hear the music in the background and it's the Oompa Loompa theme. So we, we know that that's coming. Whereas if you don't, <laughs> I like the visual, Lloyd. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's, hard, it's hard not to like, you know, kind of move your shoulders, right? Yeah. <laughs> Once the music uh, starts, I can't stop going. Yeah. I mean, that's what he says, you know, it's like, 
even Willie, who's like, who usually likes a uh, good song and dance number, is like, once the Oompa Loompa theme starts, like, no, you don't, you don't need to do that. And he's like, sorry, it's already started. I'm already yeah. dancing. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but and I don't know how much of that like is CG and how much is him, you know, doing the the singing and the dancing or whatever, um, or the movements. But you know, it's fine. I think it works. I think it works a lot better than again the other choices that we've seen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm actually, of... I'm actually glad that they didn't CGI hundreds of versions of him in there, like they did with Deep Roy and the Tim Burton. I was version. just thinking that, yeah, too. Like yeah. it's like each Oompa should be different because in, yeah. in yeah, that's the way it should be. It shouldn't be just a clone. No, right, yeah. right, yeah. I think so too. I think so too. Yeah, just another bash against the Burton movie. Which, which is, you know, <laughs> I, don't mind that. I have no problem doing that. <laughs> I don't either. I don't either. Uh, but you know, enough about bashing that one, but I praise this overall. Um, Mm -hmm. I think this was a really, really great movie. Um, um, it accomplished a lot of things. I think it stands on its own for the most part. I think it does lean into the prequel aspect of it a bit. And like I said, I do think that the, the cat, like the, the crew that he, he, like, like, I don't know why, uh, Larry Chucklesworth, the character was in there at all. Like he did nothing for me. And, and I will say even Lottie Bell didn't really like do much for me. Like, I was kind of like, why are these characters in here? We just, do we need this many? Like, why don't we just have like two or three? I thought like, you know, the one girl, um, uh, noodle, Mm-hmm. Callalane was great. I thought oh, she, she was, was she was a, she was wonderful. Yeah, she was as fantastic. they said in the movies, she was the brains behind everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the scene with them in the giraffe, like the two of them in the giraffe, uh, where they were kind of milking the giraffe, I thought was really cute. <laughs> I mean, they just they had a chemistry, and I I liked that a lot. Yeah, um, but I did think that they they did kind of overplay how many other characters. I thought I thought we'd get a cameo from one of the kid actors because they're all still alive, but we didn't we didn't get anything like that. So um, I don't know. Do we want to see? Do we want to see more? Um, you know, it did. It didn't leave it like, hey, there's going to be a sequel. I mean, it kind of is a its own thing. But like I said, you know, a good success. Like, there is talk that there's going to be a Dollverse now. Wes Anderson recently did a lot of short films on Netflix that were based on Raul Dahl stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody's seen any of those. I haven't watched them. I've heard good things about them, but I, I don't know if they're any good. I don't think they're related to this at all. Uh, but there is talk that there may be more uh, coming in, in this sort of like they might want to. And of course, everything is about building a franchise universe thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we feel about seeing more just Wonka or what, what do we see what we want to see in the future? Does this, ha- does this have a future? Uh, Elaine, we're going to start with you. Um, I honestly, I'm not, I don't know that I necessarily want more Wonka cause that would be kind of, that might be a very depressing movie to see how he gets the dark edge that he has in 71 and so I kind of am okay if I'm if that's just left to my imagination you know because there was a there was something that Noodle kept saying to him that the greedy get the needy or I can't remember what it was and so I think that greed that's surrounding him that he's trying to fight is eventually what turns him 
to the dark side of things. And so I don't know that I necessarily need to see that. But if they make a movie and they do it well, then I'll watch it. But I don't, I'm not saying I want a, another prequel part two right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and there's not nothing to say that they're, they owe any sort of allegiance to the 71 version. I mean, obviously That's they're basing true. a lot of stuff on mm-hmm. it, but but I don't think that, you know, that they necessarily have to go that route if they don't want to. They can mm-hmm. tell, I think they have the freedom to tell their own Wonka stories from here on out without, mm-hmm. with, and they could totally go against whatever happens in the, in, in the versions mm-hmm. that we've seen before the later movies. But, That's true. Uh, but Matt, what about you? What, uh, where do you want to, do you want to see more of this? You want more chocolate? I, I'm game. Uh, I think we will because, like you say, they are kind of promoting it as, as, as part of a Roald Dahl universe, which implies and not like a, a whole lot of properties. This is one of the biggest ones. So I, I think so. And I think you're right. I think they could redo Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and not necessarily tie it in with the uh, Gene Wilder version. But I was, also, I would like to see a little bit of how he got from one extreme to the other. So maybe a... Uh, a story where he, he really deals with some hardships, overcomes them, um, have a happy ending, but maybe he ends it a little more jaded, a little darker, uh, a little more suspicious of people. Um, yeah, I mean, do we need an Empire Strikes Back trilogy, <laughs> entry in a trilogy <laughs> that ends very dark? Do we need a, do we need one that ends kind of depressingly? <laughs> um, and especially if, I think this is going to do well with kids. And, and I don't think you want to necessarily throw a dark movie into kids. I mean, I, I think the real reason why they may enjoy this is because he's a very likable character. Yeah, let's let's let him grow up a little bit before we scare him with all the dark stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? What, what, where do you want to see this go from here? If, if you do. Oh, I do. I do. Like I said earlier, we could always go to Lumpa Land and find out how the Oompa Loompas end up with it if they want to do a direct sequel. But if they want to base something off of one of the books, I so want to see on the big screen, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. I've been waiting to see that ever since I read the book, probably in second grade or third grade. And I've, you know, I've like, where is this? Why haven't we seen this? Because in the original Willy Wonka, you see that Charlie and Grandpa and Willie fly off in the elevator. And, you know, I wanted to see what was next with that. And, you know, there's other, you know, movies that they've tried making of Roald Dahl's books, and they've not done well on the big screen. But it could be just how they were produced and everything. A few of them have been done with puppets and stuff, like James and the Giant Peach. and. Mm-hmm. A couple other ones so you know you know it'll be very interesting to see what they do um i think kids need movies like this i think kids need to start seeing things a little more lighthearted, not as dark or something based off of toys you know i just think it's you know i think there's tons of books that they could be doing this with and i think this is a great start don't just, sell toys. Sell chocolate. Yep. Sell chocolate. Yeah. Get fat. You know, like the like what Keegan Michael Key's character in this one, like uh, like uh, Gusto. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. We didn't even talk about him. I mean, he was. I mean, wow. Like that. 
I, I thought it was really interesting that they sort of gave him a, like he's doing this sort of like, like exaggerated kid, like Scorsese cop accent, like New York cop <laughs> accent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, really you know, I, you know I, I, I thought it was just very strange choice, but um, yeah, obviously we see the, uh, the effects that chocolate can have on, uh, on you if you're not careful. Uh, Gustav, with right? 17,000 boxes worth of chocolate. <laughs> It's it is interesting. Um, I do know that you know, uh, despite the fact that the seventy one version didn't do very well, that film didn't do very well box office wise and everything, and Paramount didn't know what to do. They did explore the idea of doing a follow up. They did explore the idea of doing um, bringing the second book, uh, Glass Elevator, to the big screen. But Dahl was so angry at the movie, he hated. Uh, the 71 Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie that, but then again, um, yeah, he said no. And he, he withdrew all the rights to that. And, and, um, and so that's why we didn't get another Wonka movie for a long time. I can't imagine what he would have thought about, you know, the Burton one, but, um, but then again, if the more you read about doll, he was kind of an angry, bitter guy anyway. So, you know, uh, it, you know, if he was, if he was taking that Wonka tour, he would have been like, like you know, the Oompa the Oompa would have taken him away for some reason because he would have been like you know, not he would have made it to the end either. He's mm-hmm. no Charlie, that's for sure. Yeah. Um. All right. So, uh, so that's sort of I guess rank it. Like I don't know. We you know, um, Mike. I, I I don't know how you feel about um, uh, Timothy. You know, sort of. We there was obviously all those jokes about Willy Wonka being a Time Lord. Yes, of the chocolatier, you know. Well, you saw uh, it in this one, big time. <laughs> certainly, he has elements of being, you know, a time lord, like in Doctor Who. I don't know where you would rank Timothy as being like on that level uh, in this Wonka. But um, as far as rating the film goes, uh, we'll start with you, Ashley. What? Uh, yeah, what you, I'm going to give say? it four out of five chocolates. I really enjoyed it. I found it to be very charming. Um, This is one that I'll definitely want to watch again. It kind of feels like a good holiday winter season movie. Um, I would be curious to like um, you had mentioned watching it back to back, watching this one and then the original one to see how kind of they flow together. But yeah, I think it's a nice family film. Um, I think my kiddos will enjoy watching it when they get older and yeah, just it made me feel happy. It made me want to go make some chocolate. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> I really wanted Wait. to drink. Oh man. Yeah. It's so, like, I think the theater <laughs> missed an opportunity to sell like a snack pack, like some fancy little chocolates and like a mug of hot chocolate to go with the movie. So next time AMC. Yeah. It was kind of surprising. I was kind of surprised that the the chain didn't have uh, Wonka bars uh, as a choice for in the concession stand. Um, Elaine, what about you? How many chocolate bars do you give it? I'll give it a four out of five. Also, I really I really did enjoy it, and I am looking forward to watching it again when it streaming. If we buy the Blu-ray, however we end up watching it at home, I'm looking forward to doing that again. So. Yeah, I'm kind of curious as to how like some of the scenes were done because I think they were really. I mean, obviously this is really as CG heavy. I don't think there's like 
a lot of practical effects. Although I did hear there was a lot of chocolate on set and it did make some, a lot of the actors, including Timothy quite <laughs> ill. <laughs> uh, you know, after you do that 57th take of <laughs> having to eat chocolate, like a chocolate yeah. bar, there's only so much of that you could take before you're like, Ooh, I, uh, I, I need to see a dentist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it came with dental insurance, this role, but um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or diabetes. You know what happened to Olivia Coleman's teeth? So you know, definitely <laughs> or insulin. Uh, Matt, what about you? How many bars of chocolate? Well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna deduct it 0.25 from everyone else. I'm gonna go 3.75. The I'm gonna deduct it the 0.25 because I had serious concerns about how hygienic it was to drink that chocolate milk out of the, <laughs> off the floor. Out of yes, the, <laughs> yes. that was bothering me. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the opposite reason i would not have wanted a, a, anybody handing me a, some chocolate milk at that point <laughs> <laughs> or, out of, or out of the big you know the plumbing when they when they uncovered the well of the chocolatiers reserves and they were just drinking it straight from that i'm like no don't drink that you're gonna get you're gonna get diseases and sick people and have been stuff. swimming in that <laughs> oh no <laughs> Two people almost drowned in that. <laughs> and I don't think they're the first people to drown in that one. No, <laughs> no. no probably not. There's probably, oh my goodness. I don't even want to think about it. Mike, how many chocolate bars? I'm going to give it a solid four chocolate bars. And it was enjoyable. I was, you know, humming to the songs along with it. And I didn't mind Timothy. I think if you rank them, out of in order, Gene is always going to be up on the pedestal, but I think he comes like a hat, top hat, right below that. And I thought he was quite good. I thought he was charming as heck. And I forgot that he was in Dune watching this. Sorry, <laughs> Ashley, but you know, but it was just a lot of you know, it was enjoyable, and that's what I wanted with this movie. Do I think it's the best movie of the year? Oh, heck no. But was it the best movie I've seen this week? Yes. So that's a <laughs> good way to put it. It's not going to beat Godzilla, folks. Come on. No. no. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, four bars for me as well. Um, and I, I think it was a, a, it was just like a good chocolate bar. It was sweet and, and really, um, you know, it, it, uh, it. I don't know how to describe it. It was it was. It was it was a good time at the movies. I think it was a nice wholesome movie. I think Timothy impressed the hell out of me. I think he's like I said, I've only really seen him in Dune, which he I thought he was solid in that, but in this he he really owned the role. And I, I think he's talented enough, not to say that he should do this or that I want to see him do this, but I got the feeling that if he was that he's talented enough that if he did have to play like the darker Wonka, that he could more than be up for the challenge i think he could do that i think mm -hmm. there's that there's something about that wink that you're just kind of like well maybe it's there somewhere you don't even mm -hmm. see a spark of it in this movie mm -hmm. though there's no hostility in this movie i mean when he gets depressed there's that but there's no like bitterness to his mm -hmm. chocolate whatsoever and there's no bitterness to this movie so and that's the way i like my chocolate so um yeah, so uh, that's cool. So um, yeah, we all pretty much agree this is a good, good thing, a good thing, way, good way to enjoy the holidays, if you will. Mm -hmm. I'm um, looking forward to seeing it streaming again. Absolutely, know. yes. So look for it probably on 
on Max. One watch or all things Warner Brothers usually, but uh, we'll see as that goes on. And I do think, Ashley, like I said, I mean, it does work really well. I did watch both of them the same day, and uh, it is interesting to watch it following up. So, um, so cool. Well, that's our thoughts on Wonka. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to close out the show. Welcome to Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this Geek Girl is talking about the second Doctor Who special, The Great Blue Yonder. So Special 2 picks up right at the end of Special 1. The TARDIS is taking the Doctor and Donna to somewhere after Donna spilt coffee all over the TARDIS console. Do they know where they are? No. And the TARDIS just leaves them there because of some type of security protocol that the Doctor talks about. And that really worries the Doctor and Donna. But it also leads them into going right in face first into whatever danger is on this ship that they are on so that they can get the TARDIS back and go home. The ship keeps making strange noises and saying random words that they have no idea what they are. They find a cute little robot who takes one step every time the ship speaks, but it doesn't respond to them at all when they try to talk to it. While messing with different parts of the ship, the two decide to split up so that they can fix the main console of the ship they're on. And this is where stuff gets weird. They then start talking to who they think are each other, but it ends up being some sort of alien that can take the form of whoever they want. The aliens can't seem to get parts of the Doctor and Donna correct, though, like their arms are too long, and so on, which is really creepy to me. We find out that the aliens are trapped on the ship, and if they get off, then the galaxy as we know it could end, because the Doctor and Donna are currently on a ship at the end of time. This special was so very much like the classic Doctor and Donna adventures that we all grew to love with the 10th Doctor. It was creepy, it had a lot of action, and it just had that feel of a 10th Doctor episode to me, and I absolutely loved it. I am so sad that there's only one more special left, and I'm excited for our next Doctor, but I'm also really loving these specials and the chemistry that... Tennant and Catherine Tate have, and it's just, it's going to be sad to see them end. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Helm reports. Sir, there's Klingons in the starboard bow. Starboard bow? Starboard bow! What are they doing there? They seem to be waiting for the new episode of Earth Station Trek! Science, what do we know about this Earth Station Trek? It's a podcast that tracks through the history of Star Trek, from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. Navigation, how would one find such a podcast? By setting coordinates for EarthStationTrek.com or by doing a sensor sweep of Spotify, iTunes, or any other quadrant where fine podcasts are available. Captain, what are we going to do about the Klingons? We come in peace, Commander. Weapon station, shoot to kill. Shoot Shoot to to kill. kill! Shoot to kill! Okay, so that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Matt, thank you so, so much for being here tonight. I had a blast as always. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? Uh, I just want to give kudos to the 60th anniversary specials of Doctor Who. I, I, I think they brought an energy and enthusiasm that the series has lacked for quite a while. 
I've been seeing it with some friends over at the uh, Sandy Springs Library, and uh, it's not perfect. I, I, I can find flaws in it, but it's fun. And ultimately, that's what I've been missing for quite a long time with Doctor Who. That's okay, then. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's awesome, man. I, I loved what we got to see. It was fun, and it made Doctor Who fun again, and that's what we needed. And made me really excited for the next season and what we're hopefully going to get with Shooty as Dr. 15. So, so it will be very interesting to see. Elaine, thank you. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Judy wanted me to say hi. So, Oh, hi. (laughs) (laughs) She'd message. Oh, Elaine's going to be on. Say hi to both of them. (laughs) Anything you want to shout out about? Um... I wasn't prepared for that. Um, wow, aren't you on a podcast or something? Yes, I am. Yes, but but <laughs> you can you can find me on another podcast, monkeying around, a podcast about the monkeys. Yep, and part of the ESO network. Yes, exactly, which is wonderful, and I'm so glad to have you guys part of the network. It's, We're happy it's to be awesome. part. Yeah, and Ashley, you did great. Always, always. Thank you. It was so much fun talking about the movie. So. Anything you want to shout out about? Yeah, I um, just want to give a, a quick shout out. Um, just everybody, the holidays can be kind of a hectic, stressful time. So just make sure you're taking care of yourself physically and mentally. And it's okay to take a step back. Um, and I find I really like going to the movies is a nice time to kind of like decompress and just be engaged in a story and get away. So just make sure you're taking care of yourself and people around you. Cause this is a time when people can be struggling or in need and they don't always show it. So um, just, just look out for, for the people around you and take care of yourself as well. Oh, very much. So definitely folks, the holidays, some people think it's the most beautiful and wonderful time of the year, but it could be also the most depressing and sad for some mm-hmm. folks. So reach out to your friends reach out to your neighbors and make sure that everyone's okay. And, you know, just try to brighten their day if you can. It's a good thing. And Mr. Mike, we've made it through another one. We did. And as always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. Our good friend, he hasn't been on the show for a long time, but uh, he's been busy. Uh, But our good friend, um, writer Van Jensen, has a book. It's actually his debut novel uh, that was just released called Godfall. And uh, I am super excited for him because the book itself is is pretty fun. Um, I uh, I am about two thirds of the way through it. It's a great read. Um, it is a little bit of science fiction mixed with well, a lot of science fiction, but it's also kind of a Rod Sterling X science fiction. These stuff happens, and you definitely get the see what the effects are on on people, real people that you can identify with. Um, and I, I definitely recommend the book. Uh, like I said, I'm about two thirds way through, so I haven't finished it off yet. So, I, I, but I'm uh, uh, very much looking forward to it. Um, I hope he sticks to landing. Uh, but um, in any case, uh, I am both super happy for him and insanely jealous because uh, Godfall has been picked up by um, Ron Howard's company, and he is attached to direct an adaptation of it as well. Wow. Wow. 
so uh so yeah um it is uh, but i i you know it's it's weird because i i see conflicting reports um i don't know if it's a series or if it's going to be a movie or i think it's still in a lot of uh, pre-production stages right now so but it's imagine imagine entertainment which is ron howard's company um, you know, we'll see what, what, what it looks like and everything like that. So I'm, I'm really curious to see what, um, you know, what happens, but the book itself, no matter how, like what the series or movie turns out to be, you know, uh, check out the book. It is Godfall. It's available in most book retailers and it's a really, really interesting read. I, I, I think anybody who, uh, likes the, like I said, the work of, uh, Rod Serling, um, will will appreciate that as well. So. All right, my shout out real quick. I'm going to echo a little bit about um, what Ashley said. Um, My big thing is giving on the holidays. And one of the things I do on Christmas is I go around to various hospitals during Christmas and I make deliveries. I go to, you know, all the probably about five or six local hospitals in the general vicinity of where I live and such. And I drop off donuts to the emergency room folks. And it's been something, a tradition I've done over the last couple of years. And I go and I pick up like two dozen donuts for each hospital and just literally just go into the emergency room, go to the desk and drop them off and give it to the staff because they are so overworked during the holidays and anything. And people don't know that, you know, these people are working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, Some folks, you know, they do different shifts, of course, but these places don't close. And especially right around Christmas and New Year's is some of their busiest times. And, you know, we, you know, we go and we, you know, drop it off and we do it to celebrate with them. And it's always a nice thing to do. And the looks on their faces when they go, because they expect me to come up, hi, you know, I have a an itch in my back or I have, you know, you know, I found this thing on my, you know, butt or something like that. You know, no, I bring them, I come in with the boxes and, you know, drop it off. And I said, this is just for you, you know, please, you know, thank you. Thank you for everything you do. And they said, are you part of an organization or something? No, just do it for the heck of it. And it's just a way of saying thank you for people who deserve it. Sometimes, you know, in the past, we've also done uh, stuff with, you know, for fire stations and or police stations. Same thing. You know, folks, these people are sometimes underappreciated and stuff for everything that they do. So definitely check it out, especially at the holidays like this. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up. So thank you, as always, for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We do appreciate you guys so, so much. And you know what? We couldn't, as we like to say, we couldn't do this without you. You know, as we like to say, always remember, you know, if you want to help support the station, we have a great Tee Public store. I think through the end of the year, they're going to be having 35% off everything at our oh, shop. Yeah, it seems like it, yeah. And so definitely check it out. I just picked up some new ESO stickers for us, you know, because, you know, I don't have enough stickers on the back of my car. So, you know, I've decided <laughs> to put some of the podcast stickers on and everything. And, you know, it's cool. You can get T-shirts. You can get magnets. You can get, you know, posters and flyers and, you know, anything you think of with our faces on it or the logos. It's pretty awesome. And it's not expensive at all. So definitely check it out. 
We also wanted to say thank you to all our patrons at the end of the year, especially. Thank you for everyone who supports us. We couldn't have done this without you guys this year. And it's always great to know that people are also out there supporting us and everything. We also wanted to, you know, let you know, you can join with as little as a dollar a month. Go to patreon.com slash ESO network. We also want to hear from you guys as always. Please leave us feedback at feedback at earthstation1.com. You know, that's the best way for them, anyone to get in touch with us. And remember, you can also find Earthstation One wherever fine podcasts are found. We're going to be up on a couple new locations soon. We're working on talking to a couple other companies about getting us up there. But we are now up on the YouTube player music player. So definitely check us out. And as always, if you want, we are up on Apple. We are up on Amazon. We're even up on Alexa. That's right. You can go, hey, Alexa, play the Earth Station One podcast. I haven't done that in a while. I know. It's been a while. I wanted to do it at least once more before the end of the year. Thank you very much. Of course, you guys are loving that one. So, as always, thank you so, so much. If you liked us, please like and subscribe. I know a few people are going to be canceling their subscription now after me doing that Alexa thing. But you know what? It was worth it so, so much. As always, my name is Mike Faber. Thank you for listening. Thank you, of course, to Ashley Pauls, Elaine Sweatman, Matt Sweatman, and of course, my partner, Mr. Mike Gordon. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see you next one. And always, just remember... Oompa loompa That's it. <laughs> You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our Tee Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.